The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds, postcode LS53AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. Hello and welcome back to the Inside Ellen Road podcast from the Yorkshire Evening Post. We've reached the final weekend of the season. Uh, Graham and I have managed to keep our massive fallings out over tactics, team selection and who gets the hotel room sofa bed off the airwaves. So in that respect, it's been a successful season. Uh, on the pitch though, less said the better, uh, unless Leeds pull off the highly improbable this weekend. Uh, not only will the team need to beat Tottenham Hotspur, likely by an emphatic scoreline, they must also better the results of Everton and Leicester City as well. In Everton's case, Leeds have to rely on a Bournemouth win at Goodison Park to give them any realistic probability of Premier League survival. Graeme, how are we feeling after West Ham last weekend and heading into Sunday's game with Spurs? Um, good question, Joe. I've just come back from uh, Elland Road, not Thorpe Arch, Elland Road today, where Leeds United have been training in the build-up to Sunday's game. Uh, it's one of those weeks where you wonder if all of the all the things they're doing, bringing in Eddie Gray, bringing in Gary McAllister, bringing in Gordon Strachan, having them train at Elland Road. You wonder if it's just rearranging the chairs, the you know, chairs on the deck of the Titanic, or if actually it's going to amount to anything and they're actually going to pull this off. It's uh, It all feels a little bit helpless in the sense that they're not only going into the game needing to win, or needing somebody else to win, they're going into the, the game needing to win and needing two other teams to fall down. Uh, and it's, and an, I think even just one of those things is a fairly big ask. So, um, yeah, this is where we are. This is where the club find themselves. And uh, Sam Allardyce is the man in charge. He's not altogether very happy because he hasn't picked up a win yet. He's enjoying it as much as he can. Was able to pick himself up after West Ham and, and go again this week. But uh, the task he's facing is absolutely monumental. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was quite telling in his his press conference today where he was saying that, you know, he's willing to, not risk, but he's willing to play the likes of Rodrigo and Patrick Bamford if they're able to contribute to, to the, I don't know, the war effort, or the Premier League survival effort. Because um, even if they're at 75%, you need players who are going to score goals or who have had a track record of scoring goals. In a game like this, it's... You know, it is as distilled as you're going to get in in terms of you know needing three points, one game to save your skin. Yeah, that's it. It's a it's a one game shootout uh, with with extras kind of elsewhere. But the impression I got was that they're giving Bamford as long as they can to call it. But I I'm not expecting to see him in the starting lineup. You might see him on the bench, but I'm certainly not expecting him to start just because. Allardyce was so um, uncertain, you know, on him. Rodrigo, it sounds like, because he trained today, it sounds like he'll be in. And of the two of them, he's the one you want, really. He's the one that you're pinning your hopes on of a goal. You know, if McKenney can sling another long throw in there and maybe it'll fall to Rodrigo. Funny that Allardyce, you know, today, well, it's not funny, but Allardyce was talking about needing luck to go with them. You know, they're needing it to go posting in. They're needing it to be millimetres offside, uh, if Tottenham score rather than millimetres onside that it was last week when West Ham scored. Um, 
They need everything to go in their favour, everything, uh, on the pitch and in two games elsewhere. But if you if you are going to need a win, then you want Rodrigo on the pitch. I mean, ideally you want both him and him and Bamford because Bamford's hold-up play, as we've discussed on many occasions, is so good. He's not really the man you're relying on for goals presently. That's Rodrigo this season. And it shouldn't be forgotten that his goal tally is as impressive as it is in a team that could well finish second bottom of the Premier League table. You know, he has found goal-scoring form in a struggling team that hasn't played very well in possession. And uh, <laughs> and if it wasn't for his goals, they'd be down already. Yeah, he's taken the chances that have come to him. He's, he's overperformed his expected goals by a, a large amount, probably one of the better players in the league in that respect. Um, which over the course of a season does indicate that you know it's not it's not just a fluke, it's not just a hot streak. It is you know uh, indicative of his of his finishing ability. Um, in terms of what Allardyce has said in previous weeks, he also reiterated it today. Um, is scoring first? He thinks that the or rather he knows that the 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 team that scores first in this game will eight times out of ten, four times out of five, good at fractions. Um, will usually go on to win uh, the the game. So, uh, you know, when, when you look at it, when it, results elsewhere are going to be, you know, filtering through, or news of results elsewhere is going to be filtering through inside Ellen Road um, during the afternoon, because all the game's kicking off at the same time, all at 4.30 on Sunday. Um, you need to, to, you need to strike the first blow. You know, you if, if Leeds go 1-0 up after five minutes, the pressure is then on Everton and Leicester. Whereas, you know, if 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 Spurs score first, they've got a mountain to climb. Yeah, absolutely. And Allardyce talked about it today, you know, how he'll let someone else be distracted with the information coming from elsewhere and he'll decide on Sunday if he wants to be told or not. What he doesn't want to do, he said, is react to what's going on elsewhere and make a change or a substitution that then worsens Leeds' performance, you know, They've got to first and foremost take care of their own business. But but as he said, they're going to know what's going on because the crowd will tell them, you know, if Everton score or if Leicester score within the first couple of minutes, you will hear it in the Elland Road crowd. If either of those sides go a goal down, you'll hear that too. So you can only hope that it's going to go the right way early on and that they can build a bit of momentum. The big concern is that it's not so much scoring the first goal because they can do that. They've done that. They can take leads. The big problem is holding leads. And how many times have we said it? Controlling games. You know, at West Ham again, they didn't control the game. And it it was so bitterly disappointing the way they came out for that second half. It I still struggle to wrap my head around why it was so passive. You know, why did you not go after the game? Um even if the plan was to contain West Ham. You would try and contain them by being a bit more aggressive and having a bit more about you and also trying to be on the ball. It, it was beyond tame uh, last last weekend in London. It, it, it was staggeringly bad, the second half, I thought. And the defending, you know, for the, the goal where West Ham actually set out to keep the ball in the corner with a short corner routine and were somehow waved on their way uh, with a... a an invitation to goal that was um, was unforgivable, really, in the circumstances. So Leeds have got to bounce back from that in a big, big way, and they've got to 
they're going to go out. They've got to go out on the shields and they've got to go out fighting. Well, fortunately, they're playing Spurs, who also threw away uh, a one-goal advantage last weekend and ended up losing 3-1 uh, against Brentford. Um, but yeah, I mean, just going back to the defending, I, I'd completely forgotten about that. Was it Lanzini's goal in this, in stoppage time? So where Lucas Pacquiao just dribbles along the byline um, and... Yeah, it just kind of makes makes a mockery of what was going on there. It, it looked as though, especially with the dejection at full time, especially with the fans streaming out, and who could blame them um, at the London Stadium when that third goal went in? Um, it looked like every relegated team that you've seen before, you know, they're going out with a whimper. You know, very rarely do teams... You know, I think it's quite rare that it goes to the final day, you know, final 10 minutes like it was last season. It Usually it's it's tied up by now, or usually it's you've got a good indication of who will be going down on the final day that that it, it i mean you look at the results six or six seven or eight games i can't remember which one it is uh, in a row where they've been winless that's not the type of form that you want to be seen on on you know your your last five results or whatever it's relegation table, form it's relegation form in the period of the season where relegation is decided well i was going to say that graham but you you beat me to it um, i could see it coming and i and I got in there first because I'm not passive, Joe. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go out and get it. Well, speaking of which, um, would you like to tell the listeners what you did on Sunday morning um, in the hotel uh, before West Ham? Look, look you, you look, listen, weren't passive, were you, in that reception, in that, listen, that dining area? As far as I was concerned, breakfast was included in the booking. So the fact that there was no one on the, the door to check if breakfast was indeed included in the booking on the and, and this wasn't some small independent business that being ripped off okay this was a, a large very very large very very wealthy chain very large like you're helping mass produced breakfasts of of a certain standard and quality that i don't think anyone i don't think anyone's gonna be out of pocket joe because of those three sausages you know two rashes of bacon a couple of hash browns and some some mushrooms um but you know sometimes You've just got to take your chances at this level, and I, and I, you know, I took my chance, and and thankfully it paid off. Mm, and then scarped out of there as quickly as possible. Um, <laughs> scurried, scurried. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to have to bring up the stolen breakfast inside the first ten minutes of this week's pod. It was sort of on my my little cheat sheet of 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 topics to bring up to maybe lighten the mood a little bit. But you just kind of you walked straight into that one with your your passive, just just went and take it comment. So, um, yeah. You don't have any anywhere nearly as much ammunition um, for for me, so you know it's it's alright. There's always next season, and, and well, also well, I did I did see I did see in your your Q and A this week um, that you were saying you were you were very much looking forward to me having to drive you down to Plymouth next season if the team did suffer relegation. So um, that again noted. Remind me before we finish today. We obviously got to get onto the topic of the last ever soccer soccer AM Joe. Uh, remind me to, to bring that up before the end. Anyway, crack on. What was your next? Uh, what was your next topic? Uh, the, the next topic can be whatever you like, Graham, because you you uh, you kind of interrupted me there. But no, uh, I'll reclaim. I'll re- I'll retrieve possession of the pod um, by by going on to uh, Spurs because that is. I mean, that they're, they're the opponents this weekend. No Hugo Lloris, no Eric Dyer. Again, don't think too many people are going to be f- too fussed about that because. There is the small problem of Harry Kane. And yes, he might have been off the boil this season. Son Heung-min as well. Um, how do you see Leeds stopping them if they are to stop them at all? 
That's a really, really good question. Uh, you say off the off the boil. I mean, he still scored a ton of goals, hasn't he? Um, and him and Son still possess the ability to tear this Leeds team apart. Um, it's supply, isn't it? It's probably Robin Koch or somebody of that ilk sitting on Kane and disrupting the supply to him, you know, so that when he's trying might to get, drop in... get booked for that. Sorry? Might get booked for that. Yeah, might do. Um, getting, in, you know, nipping in front, re- trying to read the passes into him. The, the trouble is that he's very good. You know, that's the problem that Leeds have here is that they're coming up against... You know, forget the fact that Spurs are a banter team um, who could turn up and win 5-0 or turn up and lose 5-0. The fact that they've got Harry Kane is a huge, huge problem for Leeds. And this might be his last game. Well, probably is his last game for Tottenham, isn't it? He's not going to want to go out with a whimper. He's he's a winner in a team that haven't been winners. Um, and he still has incredibly high standards. I always remember Patrick Bamford coming back from his, his England camp and talking about how Harry Kane in training, just the standard of his finishing and the connection he made with the ball was just always of such a high quality and a high standard. He, he, he's just an elite player. And we talk about you know Rodrigo taking chances that, that came his way. Um, Harry Harry Kane will take his chance if it comes his way. You know he he's a deadly deadly finisher. So Leeds have got to be so concentrated. Harry, uh, not Harry. Uh, Did Sam. you almost say Harry Maguire? No, I almost said uh, Harry Redknapp. Um, <laughs> the, other, the the other one, Sam Allardyce. He. Uh, he was talking today about concentration levels and how you, you don't have to concentrate for 90 minutes. You have to concentrate for 55 that the ball is in play. Um, and remember when Javi Garcia talked about the concentration levels and, and how pleased he was in, in that victory over Forrest, I think it was. It, it's going to have to be up there with Leeds' very best because Allardyce wants a clean sheet because he says they're not a very prolific team. So their chances of a win are obviously greatly increased with a clean sheet. They don't really keep clean sheets, but they're probably going to have to. So it's going to take every ounce of concentration in the midfield. They're going to have to press from the front or at least press intelligently from the front. And the back line is going to have to be sewed together and organised. And that's possibly where Liam Cooper comes in. You know, if we're talking about risking it for fitness and if players are sticking their hand in the air and saying, actually, you know, I'm good, I'm good to go for this one. Then maybe it's, maybe it's the time that Cooper comes back into the fence. Um, the question is, of course, then do you play Vober at, at left back? Do you play Cooper and Vober together? Um, I don't know. At the stage of the season, it's it's just so difficult, isn't it, to know what combinations to use or maybe to try something completely new. But the thing is, though, Graham, the best teams they they won't have that dilemma. After thirty-seven matches, you should know what your best team is. And, and and I don't think anybody knows what the best lineup is for this Leeds team because there've well, been no, so many worked. this season. Because one of them have worked. No, nothing's worked. Nothing's um, worked consistently. They haven't gone on a, a run of you know two or three games where they've been apart from the first three. They haven't. I, I I don't think they've gone three games without avoiding defeat. So you know there's been no consistency, um, in terms of lineups. They've, obviously they've suffered with injuries, which hasn't helped, but you know, not to the same extent as last season. Uh, and they managed to get out of it then and, and accrue more points. I, yeah, I I think you just have to get 
it so it might sound very rudimentary, but just just get all of your best players on the pitch and hope for the best. All your leaders, you know, all the all the players that have anything about them that might drag a team, might organize a team, might might stop a team from crumbling if they go a goal down or if they hear in the crowd that Everton have gone a goal up. Um, you've got to stay in it as long as humanly possible, you know, right right to the death, really. Because if you go a goal down and then your heads drop, that's it. Your season is done there and then. And we've seen that with Leeds. We saw it against Palace. We saw it against Liverpool. We've seen it before where they concede a goal and that's it. That cannot be the case against Spurs. You know, if Spurs go a goal up, Leeds have got to try and stay in the game because you you don't know what's going to happen elsewhere. And imagine, just imagine for one second, if if you do throw in the tile against Spurs because they go a goal or, or two goals up, and results go your way elsewhere. I mean, it, it, I know that this season is a bad look already for this team, but that would just be the the nadir. It would be the worst of the worst. So all you can ask, really. All you can demand is that the players stay in the game as long as humanly possible. Um, Allardyce obviously believes that there's a chance to get at the Spurs team. He thinks defensively that's where the weaknesses are. Certainly, you know, we saw that against Brentford, didn't we? Um, so the concern really is keeping them out at the other end. Yeah, they do appear to have a bit of a soft centre. And, and in in similar way, you know, their season is essentially over i mean they might be fighting for uefa conference league in european football but do they really want it i know this is the conversation we had last weekend or rather last week uh previewing west ham saying you know how much do they want another three points when they were already safe and then they went and i mean i wouldn't say rolled rolled leads over but they kind of they just took the game by the scruff of the neck in the second half they you strolled, have to leads, strolled leads over they strolled, strolled. that second yeah. half was a stroll declan rice should not have been able to play 90 minutes having played in Europe on the Thursday night. He should have been feeling it after 60. But he had he had such an easy time of it. You know, nobody got near him. And and because West Ham were able to dictate in that second half, they made Leeds do the running. And we talked about it so much, didn't we, before the game, about how oh, this team might be leggy. So you want to make them run. You want to try and make them match you. You know, runs in behind and make it frantic and make it horribly intense for them. And didn't see any of that. Well, I think we've discussed the doom and gloom. I think everybody's well aware of the situation that, that Leeds face uh, this weekend. Um, you know, there, there'll have been lots of staring hopelessly at the table. There'll have been lots of sort of working out the permutations, what, who needs results where and, and, and at what times and that sort of thing. Um, but this week, Graham, you you hosted a a Q and A via your DMs on Twitter, uh, and it's always a delight when you do that. It might not be for you because you have to go through and and um, I don't know what what the word would be, uh, compile all the uh, the appropriate questions and then come up with uh, whimsical answers to them or you know an expert opinion on what what's been asked for for some of the more serious questions. But I invariably receive the screenshots of the ones which you find just devilishly funny uh and you then send them to me on whatsapp and i just i just marvel at the 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 breadth of the just the the quality but also the the hilarity of the questions that people come up with on the spot that they want to ask you yeah um i'm up to my elbows in something 
uh, every time I open my DMs for a, a Q and A, and they never ever ever let me down. You can always you can always tick certain ones off. There's a lot of food questions come in. What's for breakfast? What's for lunch? Um, do you prefer? What was it this week? Or was it last week? Last week there's one about tomato sandwiches. This week there was one about crisp preference. Then there's the violence questions. You always get a the who would, between, who would who would win between you and Phil? Who would who would win between Popey and Phil? Uh, would you rather fight um, uh, a Yampaveda sized polar bear or uh, you know etc cetera, etc? Cetera. Um, and then there are some real thinkers. Like I th- honestly think the best question I've ever been asked in a Q and A came this week when I was asked if you could travel back in time to one day before last season started and tell one person one thing that they would change in order to stop the downfall of Leeds United, what would it be? And I thought about that for ages. And the conclusion I came to was there's just too much to go back and stop. Like there's not, there's not one thing you could go back. There's not a source that you could go back because if you went back and said to Victor Orda, sign a midfielder, uh, it might help. But the project would have remained the project that has led to this situation. Uh, you might Hang have said, though. "Would you, would you not have to say I'm from the future? Would you have to not have to preface it with that? If you were to yes. tell Victor, that. how would I how would I how would I convince him? Well, exactly, because if you went and said just sign a midfielder, he might have just think you are any Tom Dick or Harry off the street. But you know, you are a Tom Dick and Harry off the street, but from the future, which maybe I'd, gives it... I'd take a screen grab." of today's Yorkshire Evening Post website with the story about the interview with him that wasn't actually an interview with him uh, and the date stamped to say, look, Victor, this is the future we're trying to avoid. Um, Yeah, that question absolutely blew me away because it made me really think about what were the really key things that went wrong. Um, and, And I know some won't like it because they'll say, move on, but... What I came back to was the thought that what have Leeds United gained by sacking Marcelo Bielsa versus what they've lost by sacking Marcelo Bielsa. Now, I can't claim that at the time I I said about the club for the sacking and said it was the wrong decision. The day before the sacking, I actually wrote that it was unthinkable that they would give his job to someone else because that's that was my reading of the situation and I was wrong because they were obviously lining up Jesse Marsh. But when I... When I reflected on it at the time, I thought the team looked lost. Maybe he doesn't have the answers. Maybe it is time for someone new. Jesse Marsh came in and he kept them up just about. Um, how much credit he gets for that, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I think Veghorst gets a lot of credit for his miss and Rafinha probably gets a lot of his, the credit for the moments that he dragged Leeds through. Uh, Jack Harrison as well for that, for that late winner at Brentford. Um, but I just wondered, what would Leeds look like had they kept him, you know, had they shown faith, would they have gone down at all? He might have kept them up, but had they gone down then, you know, would this season have been a season of winning games in the championship and coming straight back up? Obviously, we don't know. But I just think about the disconnect that's occurred, that's opened up between the fans and the ownership from that moment when Bielsa was fired and, and the manner in which it happened because the fans didn't like that at all. And then you think about what they've gained because Jesse Marsh isn't here. The big succession plan failed. Victor Orda's no longer here. Javi Garcia is not even here. Sam Allardyce is here. And they go into the last game of the season needing a win and two results elsewhere to fall their way. 
with the project being at an end as it is and so much uncertainty over the future i don't know have, have are leeds united the winners out of getting rid of bielsa when they did or had they kept him would they have gone through some struggles but still had a unifying figure that fans loved who could try and keep the club together yeah it, it's it's a real head scratcher we kind of had a little tete-a-tete um when when discussing this and my my thoughts on it were uh not not because you asked um i imagine you did in your head um my thoughts on it were if they'd kept bielsa until the end of last season and regardless of what had happened whether Leeds had stayed up or went down i do think that bringing jesse marsh in as was the plan you know bielsa was ready to step aside uh marsh was ready to come in at the end of the season you know that's all water under the bridge now um I do think that if Marsh had, had had a championship season, because he was willing to stay for that, uh, you know, if Leeds had gone down, he said that several times this stage last season. Um, if they had gone down, I think Leeds would have fared pretty well in the championship with the core of the squad that they have. And there would have been signings as well. Maybe not the £30 million signings that, that have been made this year, but signings all the same. You know, might have even still got Willy Nyonto. Because he was what three and a half, four million initial fee, obviously rising to you know your eights and ten millions, but um, you know potentially would have even got would have still got him. You would have had, I mean, the likes of Joe Gelhart playing in the championship week in week out. Um, you know, it, it lots and lots of hypotheticals, and the team would have gone up because Marsh's style of football, I'm convinced, is is predicated on um, just being the better team or having the better squad than your direct opponent. So you can press them into mistakes in the final third. You can retrieve possession in the opposition half. And then from there, play quick one, two, three touch moves to get yourself into the penalty area. In the Premier League, it's a bit more difficult with that, as as was discovered. Um, and that's because Leeds squad isn't in sort of the top five, 10% of the teams in, in the league, like Marsh probably has had in previous jobs, you know, looking at Red Bull Salzburg. So um, that was kind of my hypothesis of it, but it, it really is a difficult question to answer. Um, and I don't think there is an answer to it because... I Yeah, I disagree with your... Time travel hypothesis. isn't real? Um, well, it's, it's not real yet. Um, I, I disagree with your hypothesis on the basis that the same people would have been making decisions over player signings um, and... Would the likes of Tyler Adams have come for a second-tier team? Um, you know, the quality of the player that they got in, is there any guarantee they would have been good enough to make them dominant and superior in the championship in order to make Jesse's style work? I don't know. And also, would fans have tolerated Jesse Marsh for that long? Um, I don't know. It's, it's just a great question, really good question. If anyone has an answer that they think just blows us out of the water, then um, by, all, by all means, let us know. Yeah, anything that we haven't considered, um, I'd be very, very interested to hear. Um, in terms of the other questions, the, the the less head scratchy ones, the ones that just made you sort of lean back in your chair and and laugh, which which were some of those? I like the one about wearing a mask of your face, uh, and and whether that would help or hinder with the ladies. Excellent <laughs> which question. Is, which, which, it's a great question, not one I can really answer because I'm married and deeply <laughs> deeply uncomfortable to to even think or consider that that I might have more luck 
with Mrs. Smith if I was wearing a mask of your face. I mean, that's probably, <laughs> probably the most troubling thought I've ever had <laughs> in 40 years on the planet. Um, I, I like the one about the guy who said the person sits near him calls, I think it was Max Fober, he calls Badger, yep. and Rodrigo he calls Squirrel. Um, I have absolutely no idea why he calls them that. Uh, maybe they're in terms of endearment. I don't know. Um, you know, like Yorkshire people in certain areas of the county call people duck and, and that right. kind of thing. Um, or, or maybe people from Jesse's part of the world might call someone tiger. Uh, but they, he wanted, the, the question was, what would you call Messrs, uh, Hay and Pope <laughs> if you had to assign nicknames of that along that theme? Um, Phil, probably some kind of a, some kind of a bird, like an owl, like something all-knowing, quite furtive, uh, like always poking its beak in and digging out the juicy worm. Um, so yeah, some kind of some kind of bird. Uh, Popey, uh, gosh, what 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 kind of animal would you assign to? Well, um, you have to think carefully because I know that he does listen to this on his pre-game runs. So maybe maybe a bear because he has a large bear. Balls. See, a bear was in 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 the back of my mind. He's got he's got big paws, hasn't he? He's a, he's a he's got a good size to him, uh, and he can be like a bear with a sore head whenever the traffic is bad or whenever you know there's a reason that for stress. So yeah, we'll go with bear for Popey. <laughs> I think that's I think that's quite accurate. Yeah, um, I, I do wonder what what people's suggestions would be for for you, Graham. Um, I don't like want a... I, I don't want to know. I don't know because, <laughs> there you have because, it folks he doesn't want to know so definitely don't tweet him about it um, as, a, as a gentleman with glasses 95 percent of respondents will reply with mole so <laughs> if, you've got, if you have anything more original than mr mole then feel free <laughs> <laughs> oh man mr mole um let me just make a note of that because that is going to get clipped up at some point um Possibly for sort of the end of season highlights because you know we're, we're really scraping the barrel for highlights on the pitch. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, the, the Q and A's are, are always a great uh, a great read, um, and that will still be on the the Yorkshire Evening Post website. So lots of questions, um, ones to tickle you, but ones also to to I don't know make you think like you're doing the Sunday Times crossword. Um, also uh, in there. Um, what should we move on to next, Graham? Because in fact, actually, I do know what we're going to move on to next. Um, because you mentioned it very briefly earlier, and it was the the interview that never was um, that was released on Thursday night, um, purporting to have been with uh, Victor Orta, recently departed director of football of Leeds, of course. Um, what on earth happened there? I I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think it's a deeply embarrassing episode, but I do feel quite personally uncomfortable about it because when the interview landed on on the website of a fairly significant well-known very very well-followed uh football journalist on the continent it wasn't his interview but it was hosted on his website by someone who contributes to his website i didn't for a single second think this is fake now the reason for that is because victor order has spoken with great frequency to foreign media, um, mostly Spanish, it has to be said, but he has not been averse to speaking on the record, um, even during times of adversity and, and whatnot. He's also said some things in the past that you thought you probably shouldn't have said that, 
the Archie Gray, Sergio Aguero comments spring to mind. It didn't show a, a huge deal of awareness. But I, d- I didn't think for one second this is a... I, I thought it's a massively underwhelming interview because there was about four paragraphs of quotes, none of which were particularly standout, other than maybe that if we were going to sack a manager, we should we should sack him in the World Cup break. The reason probably that there's so little imagination to those quotes and the reason that um, it was so underwhelming and, and a bit odd was that they didn't come from Victor Order. Um, Gabby Ruiz, his trusted lieutenant and scout, was pretty much straight on to the uh, the person, the journalist who'd put the interview out, saying it was 100% fake and Victor had not spoken to any media outlets. And that was confirmed by Leeds United this morning, um, who, in communication with Victor Order, were able to confirm that he hadn't spoken to any media outlets. And then the person responsible has, has issued an apology and, and essentially uh, claimed that somebody pretending to be Victor Order has has duped them. Um, it's It's absolutely bizarre. Do it's, you remember? Do you remember Phone Jacker on Channel Four? Yes. Is, is this sort of like the Leeds United Phone Jacker episode? Yeah, it, it's I, just another I, I, weird, really weird, bizarre, desperately unfortunate, probably entirely in keeping with how things have been going. The kind of scarcely believable vibe that there is sometimes around the place. Um, but the reason I feel so queasy is because I I did quote tweet the interview. And, and had some thought, put some thoughts down uh, on the timing of it being poor. Um, so for my part in that, I can only apologize. Uh, and I think it's a lesson <laughs> to all of us to um, think a bit more carefully about stuff. And if something smells a bit off, then there might very well be a good reason for that. But it, it's just scarcely believable. And, and also you have to say, there's very little coming back from an episode like that. Uh, and let, let's just hope that that is the end of that chapter and uh, a similar does not occur in the future. Yeah, check, verify, and check again. I remember that being drummed into me on my first day at the YEP by by yourself. Um, <laughs> and, that, and that was just to make sure that there wasn't any milk in your tea. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there is, um, yeah th- th- there's a lesson there for, for all of us. Um, in terms of predictions, then, for this weekend, what do we think? I have I know, no idea. I know, we, I know we didn't do a score prediction last weekend, but uh, is it going to be something completely underwhelming and a complete damp square where Spurs take the lead early and then see out a pretty professional 2-0 win? Or is it going to be utterly mental, a 4-3 like at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium um, earlier this season? Uh, honestly, Joe, I don't know. Like, I, I would really love to say I can see it being incredible and Ellen Road, you know, rising to the occasion and being given something to to be raucous about. And it finishing, you know, four, three to Leeds, three, two to Leeds. I just don't know if I can see it. I think asking for faith in the team to pull it off is a huge ask, almost impossible ask at this stage of the season. Because on the evidence we've seen from so many games, they struggle to control football matches and maybe they, maybe they can win a game where there's no control and it's just end to end and it's madcap. Um, 
maybe Spurs can get someone sent off or three players sent off inside, four players sent off inside the first 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> the game gets abandoned. The game gets abandoned. <laughs> and then, you know, Leeds are, Leeds are given a 3-0 win and that is enough. Uh, can you imagine the inquiry into potential uh, match fiction? Match, I mean, match fiction? Sound like Eric Ten Hag. Uh, match fixing, if that was the case. Yeah, can you even imagine? It would be it'd be like that um, battle of the Hawthorns between Sheffield United and West Brom that time. Yeah, um, where Sheffield United had quite a few players sent off, and then players started to go down injured, um, and there was all kinds of accusations thrown around. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd love to see something crazy that ends the right way. I really, genuinely would, because there are a lot of people who do not deserve relegation. Leeds is a club that should be in the Premier League. You know that's. As far as I'm concerned, that's a fact. But you don't get to be in the Premier League. You don't just get to be there on stature and size. You have to earn your place. And this season, they haven't particularly done enough to earn their place. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I struggle to see it. Uh, and I like to try and be optimistic as much as humanly possible. But I'm, I'm struggling. So, I think I'm going to say... Um, I'm going to say 2-2, a draw. I'm going to go 3-3 because why not? I think Spurs take a 3-1 lead, but Leeds rally towards the end of the game. They're not able to get it over the line, but they do go out on their shields, as you said earlier. Um, And yeah, this time next week, um, whether we do a podcast or not, who knows? Um, well, I think season. I think I think there'll be a podcast because I, I think there'll be a podcast too. I think yeah, there'll be a podcast. I mean, what what we haven't really talked about is the ownership situation. Um, yeah, and... everything will become clearer after well, Sunday's game. <laughs> well, it, well, it has to. Uh, not, well, not, well, yeah, I'm, it should become. Clearer. I'm not suggesting it will, um, because I am not convinced that the Ducks are in a row um, sufficiently that if Leeds go down on Sunday, they'll be able to announce. A takeover deal has been agreed on Monday morning. That would be the idea. In fact, Sunday night would be the ideal time to do it straight away. But I'm, I don't get the sense that that's going to happen. Um, obviously, if Leeds stay up, the 49ers take over and the new project begins. And hopefully, it begins with lightning quick speed because they need somebody in to start making decisions on transfers, to start making decisions on retentions, on sales. And a head coach, and who's going to coach the team, and how they're going to play, and all of that. You know, the future philosophy, the brand new project. Work on that should have begun already. It should have begun, you know, weeks ago. Really, um, you've seen other clubs like Southampton are are getting their getting everything ticked off and and getting to work. Um, but Leeds can't do that because there's this uncertainty about the ownership picture. Um, if they go down, your only hope really is that negotiations can be brought to a conclusion very, very rapidly. I mean, I think it, it, it's blindingly obvious that a takeover is, is necessary because everything feels so stale. Everything feels like the end of something. Um, and you do not want that to carry on through the summer. You don't want to have an unclear picture of not really knowing who's calling the shots and not really knowing if it was Andrea's choice for director of football or head of recruitment. Um and and we don't know how harmonious things are in the, the boardroom. You know, there's been so little said by the club. You know, it's almost a 
you know, if, if Leeds United go down on Sunday, if Leeds United fall on Sunday, will it make a sound? They have to, really, and, and probably not in the form of a, oh, this hasn't been good enough, we're really sorry, but we're going to do everything to, to bounce back statement. I think it needs to be more along the lines of, this is what's going to happen over the next week. Um, I, I wonder if, maybe it's not possible, but I, I have wondered this week if both sides of the boardroom could get their heads together and agree on a director of football, at least, that they would both be willing to put their weight behind, regardless of what happens in terms of a takeover. Because then at least you could say to fans, this is who's going to lead the project. But then, as somebody said to me today, what kind of a director of football worth their salt would agree to come in when they don't know who they're going to be working under? Yeah. Uh, and and you don't know really what the budget's going to be or, or the financial situation is going to be this summer in terms of signing players. So um, it's not the, ideal. The ownership picture first to be clarified. You then need the the director of football or head of football operations, whatever the term is. Uh, you need that to be clarified before then appointing a manager if Sam Allardyce is to, to move on at the end of the season. Um, because if you do one before the other or you do them in a in a, a sequence which is out of line, you're just setting yourself up for for clash of personalities. For You're setting yourself up for failure, essentially, um, further down the line. So yeah, I think it has to be ownership re- resolution, director of football appointment, managerial appointment, and then... I mean, yeah, massive how long? How, sorry? Massive rebuild. Well, yeah, it's massive rebuild, but you know, how, how much time does that leave? Because there's only a set amount of time before preseason will begin. Whichever manager you bring in, you obviously want to give enough players to actually, you know, to, to be coaching um, on that first day of preseason. Um, well, yeah, if they stay yeah. up, they're probably going to have too many players um, because of all the ones coming back. And you would think, a few coming in, um, yes, one or two might leave, but if they go down, there'll be a lot of departures. Um, and a and lot of decisions move... to be made on on who who goes where. I, I, you know, are you with the twenty one squad? Are you for loan again? Are you just going to be sold and we're going to cash in on you? Yeah, it's there's the, the questions are just so they're t- too numerous. You know, what are you going to do with Jorginho Ruter? Are you going to loan him to somebody in Germany to allow him to go away, away from Leeds, away from this situation and score a few goals, reclaim himself, you know, find himself a little bit again, get some confidence and also put his price back up, you know, to to somewhere near where you could maybe cash in or then maybe you take another look at him in a Leeds light. But there are lots of situations like that. There are players that I'm almost convinced will go. Uh, I think Robin Cock goes if they go down almost certainly i think jack jack harrison might have to be sold because he's one of the ones that really does have a big resale value um and also he probably wants to play in the premier league and melier as well is another who i think has made noises that would lead you to believe he's not for a championship season um sinistera rodrigo you could see them go in tyler adams tell you what this is graham this is a conversation for the Monday or Tuesday episode of the podcast where we dissect what now? Who stays? Okay, I'll, who goes? I'll, I'll acquiesce. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there and we'll, we'll reload again next week and go with, yeah, go with reload. Barrels. Um, 
just imagine though, just imagine the next time we podcast, Leeds are still a Premier League club. It'd be magnificent. It'd be 55 minutes of laughter and backslapping. <laughs> we got away with it. We got away with it. Um, yeah, it would just be that that um the this is like the meme of Paul Rudd, and I can't be, I can't remember who else it is, but they're sat it's at a the, dinner it's table. It's the hot wings guy, the hot, the hot wings guy, and he's he's just like, yeah. Look at us. Who'd have thought? Who would have thought? Not, Not me. me. Um well. Yeah. So I think we should, I think we should end with this. What scenes do you want to see on Sunday if the miracle comes to pass uh, and Sam Allardyce turns water into wine um, and walks across the wine uh, and parts the wine <laughs> because that's what because that's what we're looking at. Um, do you want? Do you think it's appropriate for there to be scenes of wild jubilation? No. I, I think here, here's what I think is appropriate. Players like Luke Ayling. Liam Cooper, etc., fall into their knees in in tears if they wish of gratitude and relief at having kept their beloved club in the Premier League. Some hugs for teammates, and then a walk around the pitch, clapping, uh, and then inside they go. Um, Allardyce, you know, gives it a big clap in the centre circle to all four sides, and the fans the fans can be as jubilant as they please. They can go absolutely wild with delight. Maybe even no, I'm not going to encourage a pitch invasion because that's irresponsible. But the, the fans celebrate uh, appropriately because they have been through a horrible season, and for it to end the right way would give them cause to go out and paint the town yellow. Um, <laughs> not, in, yellow not in the way. What? Not in not in the way Glasgow Rangers did in Manchester. I just want to. <laughs> I just don't have that. You do not want rivers of so. Yeah, I, I would say I don't think it need. I don't think it wants to be the kind of dancing jubilation we saw in front of the away fans at Brentford last season, because I'm not sure that's appropriate. Um, I don't think that's deserved. Uh, I think it needs to be a relieved, grateful, measured wiping of the brow, uh, and then you know inside you go. Um, Relief is the word. It wouldn't be jubilation. It would be celebration out of relief. I think that's that's what's appropriate. Um, but again, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. I think there might have to be... Um, in fact, no, you know what? We're going to end it on a high. We're going to end it on a positive. That's what I want to see. Um, you know, the the appreciation from the from the all four stands as the players go around on their sort of their lap of honour um, at the end of the season because obviously it's the last home game. Uh, last chance for supporters to see the players until August uh, or July. If you're if you're going off to Norway with, uh, I don't know who, who who's the the Nordic flight sort of who was their equivalent of British Airways. Uh, it's Kleisen Airways. Uh, Chris Kleisen Airways. Horrendous. Um, just end it now. He, yeah, that the Norway thing. We didn't talk about that either, or the, or the ticket prices. Um, but you're right. We should end on a high. So let's stop there. Yeah, well, we are going to end on a high, but as with most of these podcasts, I do want to get a little bit of 21s in. Uh, and uh, Matteo Joseph and Darko JB are away on international duty with England's under-20s uh, at the World Cup in Argentina at present. Um, at the time of recording, they are through to the uh, the knockout stage, courtesy of a 1-0 a win over Tunisia and a 3-2 win over Uruguay last night. Uh, Joseph got the assist for the second goal uh, for Alfie Devine and Darko JB got England's third uh, with a really, really good finish, uh, sort of shuffling and bustling his way into the box in stoppage time at the end of the second half. 
um, and a really, really, really satisfying knee slide celebration uh, on top of that. So if you haven't seen those highlights, get over to FIFA Plus um, and there you'll be able to find the, the relevant games on there. But yeah, we're going to end it on a high. Hopefully, hopefully when we speak to you on the other side, it will be with Leeds as still as a Premier League club. Um, but yeah, keep your... Uh, keep your pecker up. Keep your pecker up. That is the that is the enduring message from the YPs, Graham Smith and Joe Donahue on the Inside Ellen Road podcast. Um, take care and bye for now. The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit Two Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.